All right, so today we're continuing with Acts, and I want to give you a quick review from last week and then preach the message from chapter 2. Last week we started with where, the, where today's church has been. We talked about how today's church pre-COVID has been an, an attractive or attractional, more of an entertaining kind of church. And, and it drew a lot of people over the last 10, 15 years. And that's great because a lot of folks got saved. And we should always be attractive. <laughs> uh, guys, that would have been a good place to say, <clears throat> my wife is. It's okay. Just put the ball on the tee. That's all you can do. And so we talked about how the church has been attractional and the church has been entertaining. And COVID hits. And then what we find out in the middle of COVID is that the church kind of fell apart. People have lost people, they, they quit coming to church, all these kinds of things. And honestly, what I feel God doing across the globe right now is he's bringing us back to Jesus's command to go and make disciples. And so I almost feel like the church is rebuilding. It's almost like God saying the foundation wasn't quite right. Let's, let's try this again. So we talked about where God is leading us as a church. I gave you a quote from Leonard Ravenhill. He says, what you win people with is what you win people to. So if you win them to attraction and entertainment only, then it takes attraction and entertainment to keep them. And when you take away the attraction and the entertainment, then they're lost and they don't know what to do. But if you win them with Christ, with Jesus in the simplest, purest form, then that's what you he's what you've won them to. And storms can come and times can change, but they'll remain the same. Amen? So we learn that Jesus spent 40 days with the apostles proving that he was alive and then talking to them about the kingdom. How many of you thought that was pretty cool? That Jesus spent 40 days proving to them that he was alive. You see, Jesus wanted to make sure that people were one with a Jesus who is alive so that ultimately they would be one to a living Jesus. And I gave you four observations last week from chapter one. But there's much more and we'll come back to those at a later time. Here's the four observations from last week. Number one, we talked about an absolute proof, and that's Jesus spent 40 days proving that he was alive and talking about the kingdom coming. And then we talked about the second observation was this gift that he said was coming, but they had to go wait for it. And his instructions were to wait until God delivers the promise. And so the, the conclusion to that, that second observation was waiting is worth it. Come on, somebody. Waiting is worth it. Then we talked about the third observation was Jesus was establishing some power and some purpose for the church. The Holy Spirit is the power, and the purpose is to be a witness, to tell others about Jesus. And then finally, we wrapped up with unifying prayer and how the disciples took what Jesus modeled and they went off by themselves when Jesus ascended into heaven and they went off by themselves into a room and the disciples, the apostles began to pray together themselves. And the Bible said it this way in, in Acts chapter one, it says they, they, they were constantly united in prayer. And so the takeaway was is that prayer is the unifier of the believers. Is this making sense? You can always go back and listen to the previous message on our, our, um, our website or even download our app and you can listen to last week's message. So question, have you ever experienced the Holy Spirit? Like literally, 
like even physically experience the Holy Spirit. If you've experienced the Holy Spirit in a real way, I want you just to raise your hand. Great. Most of you in the room. Those who did not raise your hand, I'm excited for you. Because you're going to learn something today that's going to build your expectations so that you can be set up to experience the Holy Spirit. I bet it was a little bit different for each one of us. That's what I love about the Holy Spirit is he's, he's, he's sometimes unique for each one of us. So the title of today's message is simply this, Hi, I'm the Holy Spirit. And today we'll focus on the introduction of the Holy Spirit to the apostles. And I want you to remember this is the first time the Holy Spirit has been poured out like this. In the past, he would be poured out on individuals as needed to give them supernatural power or ability. But this is the first time that he's poured out this way. This would, Acts chapter 2 is the introduction of the Holy Spirit to the believer. There's something to say about the first time something happens in the Bible. It's important and you need to pay attention to it. So let me, before we get into the message, let me give you Luke chapter 3 verse 16. Just as a reminder, John the Baptist said this. He said, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. Skip us a couple of sentences. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. With the Holy Spirit and with fire. How many of you like fire? Yeah, all my pyros, come on. John tells everyone listening that day that there is a day coming, it wasn't there yet, that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. There's a distinction between water and fire, right? Water is used to clean, to wash, to make new, to wash off the old things. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to water baptize some folks today. It's them going public about, it, it's just a, an, an outward sign of what God's done in their heart and what God's done with their sin. You go under the water. It's almost like you're crucified with your sin and then you come out and you're clean and you're brand new, right? How many of you are grateful for water? Yeah, I like water. Then there's fire. Fire can be used to burn a wood pile. It can also be used to power something like a hot air balloon, a train, or even produce electricity. It can also be used to purify metals. So what if water is used to show that we are now clean of all sin, and the fire is used to consume our selfishness, empower us to move, and burn away the impurities that live inside of us? Hmm. So what you're going to learn today is that John brought the water... But Jesus bringing the fire. Come on, somebody. Don't be afraid of the fire. Jesus is bringing the fire. Four significant things about the Holy Spirit I want to show you this morning. Number one, there was a very specific date and time. If you'll remember, the, the, the apostles were asking Jesus about the dates and the times when he would restore the kingdom in chapter 1. And Jesus said, it's not for you to know. Only God has the authority to set the dates and times. Remember that in chapter 1? Well, now you're getting ready to understand the date and the time of this moment. Because this is a pivotal moment for the church. And we got to understand that. So Acts chapter 2 verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Jesus told them it was, a, it was God's job to set the dates and times. Their instructions, watch this, their instructions were to what? Wait until. They didn't have to pull it down. They didn't have to go get it. 
They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to strive. They just had to go and wait. That's a word for somebody. Just go and wait. You can't force God's hand. He's got a date and he's got a time for your situation. Mm -hmm. You see, you'll wait a minute, but but will you wait until? A lot of us will wait a minute, but will you wait until? Did, did you hear that this morning? Like, like some of you are just looking around. I'm, I'm kind of worried. It's, it's, you're not, I'm not seeing any. Anyway. You don't mind waiting a minute. McDonald's could be a minute late, but, but don't let them be five minutes late. And you, then you have, a trouble, you have trouble waiting until you get your little happy meal, right? Some of us don't mind waiting on God for a minute, but, but we have a problem waiting until he shows up. So then we end up removing ourselves from that place or that situation or making our own way out. And then it, it takes us out of this great experience that God has set up for us. Are you seeing it? So what if, what if the greatest lesson you learned today is to just wait until God does it? So God chose 50 days after Jesus was crucified, and this is known as the day of Pentecost. You'll see in verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, this is important, Pentecost means 50, and in this case it means 50 days. It's a celebration that the Jews would come together and celebrate when, when, when the death angel had passed over them in, way back in the book of Exodus. How many of you remember the story? This is the story with Moses, and, and he's, you know, let my people go kind of a thing. And, and the, Moses tells the people, hey, take some blood, put it on the doorpost, and tonight when the death angel comes to take the firstborn, he will pass over your house if you have blood on the doorpost. Remember that? Okay, that was the first Passover. It almost sounds Cajun. It almost like meh. Man, the death angel passed over. He may he pass over. Okay, I, I read the Bible strange. You really need to keep praying for me. Uh, may he pass over. Are you kids is alive? You? Oh yeah, they all alive. May he pass over. Do I need to go some more? Okay, okay. Like, do y'all see it? Okay, all right. There's a little Cajun in everything. So Passover is also the same day that Jesus was crucified. And now you see that 50 days after Jesus was crucified, the Holy Spirit comes. Don't tell me God's not paying attention. Don't tell me he he doesn't have a plan. Don't tell me he doesn't have the dates and the times already written down. The day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus died on the cross, we get the Holy Spirit's introduction to the believer. Isn't that cool? So for 40 days, Jesus, after he rises from the grave, for 40 days, he spends it with the, with the apostles, proving that he's alive and helping them understand his kingdom. And then he says to go and wait, and they wait for 10 days. Can you wait for 10 days? Waits for 10 days. And then now we have Acts chapter 2. Wow. Wow. So that's the date. Let me show you the time. We have to fast forward to verse 15. 
I'll get to this in, in, in next week's message maybe. It says this, verse 15 of chapter 2, it says, Peter stood up because everybody thought they were drinking. <laughs> Peter says, these people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. 9 o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. We don't start that till 12. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm not going to get you to raise your hand. But, but, but Peter said it's 9 o'clock in the morning. What's significant about 9 o'clock in the morning? Well, the Jews had, had, a, had, they had set sacred prayer times. There was three prayer times during a day that were sacred. It was 9 a.m., 12 p.m., and 3 p.m. That they would stop what they were doing and they would spend an hour in prayer. It was called sacred prayer time. The Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus dies on the cross, and then he comes at 9 o'clock during the sacred prayer hour. Well, I'm going to tell you, God knows your business, and God knows what's going on, and he knows what time it is. So, can we learn to trust that God has the date and the time, and can we learn to wait until? Well, you got to get this. Can we just learn to wait until? Which means this, which means this, don't quit praying, don't quit believing, don't quit standing, just keep on doing what you're doing until he comes back. What did the apostles do? It says they constantly united themselves together in prayer. They prayed until the Holy Spirit came. They trusted that God knew the date and the time. Why do we struggle with God's date and God's time? Why do we run ahead of God? Why do we run away from God? Because we don't trust that he has the date and the time for your deliverance, for your healing, for your miracle, for anything that you need. Can we just settle down and just wait until God shows up? And I'm preaching to myself. I can be ants in the pants. Come on, somebody. So that's, my, that's the first significant thing I noticed about Acts chapter 2. The second significant thing I noticed is in verse 2, the Bible says that suddenly, there was a sound, the sound, it says suddenly, say suddenly. There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Wow. Suddenly, it's like the sound of a gunshot. Boom! That's suddenly. You ever been to a military funeral? And they do, the, they do the 21 gun. They can tell you, we're about to shoot the guns. And when they shoot the guns, you're still going to jump. Come on, somebody. Like, I, I've been to a lot of funerals. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm ready this time. I'm ready. And then, bah! I'm like, oh, God, got me again. Suddenly. Suddenly, God did something. Boy, you... <laughs> You can never forget that we serve a suddenly God. He's not lazy, and he don't procrastinate. Then it says there was this sound from heaven, which means that it came from heaven and that there was no storm outside that day. <laughs> and then it says this, that there was a roaring, mighty wind. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever stood outside during a hurricane? I'll, I'll never forget, I was, we were in kinder for Hurricane Ike, 
And this was the first time I'd experienced the power of a, of a hurricane. And it wasn't even a real strong hurricane. It was passing through. I went out on the front porch. My wife was like, what you doing? You gonna get, something's going to hit you. I'm like, I'm going to be okay. And I stood on the front porch in the wind. I just felt the wind. And I felt almost a vibration. And I felt the pressure of that storm. And I'm sitting there. And it was a spiritual moment for me. Because it helped me understand how powerful, how strong, and how forceful wind can be. So I wonder if it sounded a little bit like this. that verse again suddenly there was the sound there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting I don't believe it was a cool breeze you got to get something today this is the Holy Spirit's first impression on the believers your first impression is your best impression. It's your most important impression, right? There's 120 people standing in a room and that happens. Does it get your attention? It should. That's what you heard, something like that. That was an actual recorded hurricane. Something like that sounded in that room. So the Holy Spirit comes on a very specific date at a very specific time and he comes with a sound. I hope I got your attention because this ain't just another message on the Holy Spirit. It filled the house. When the Holy Spirit is here, you will know it. In fact, last Sunday, Many people reported to me during the worship service, especially during the first service, they felt the Holy Spirit like never before. One lady came to the front, asked to be refilled with the Holy Spirit, and God filled her fresh and new right there. One guy said, I've only cried two times in my life. Once was at a funeral. The second time was that Sunday, and I was afraid to go up because I thought I was going to lose everything. I thought I was going to lose it. When the Holy Spirit shows up, you don't need to wonder, you'll know it. My first experience with the power of the Holy Spirit like that was when I was at the Broussard campus way back in the day before there was all these OSC churches. We were in the old lodge. Me and my buddy was there on a Wednesday night, two Baptist boys. We were just there, just checking it out. And, and they, before Pastor Jacob even preached, we just had a time to pray for some folks. They had some, some like connect cards with people's names on them and we prayed and, and we're standing there and I'm, there was a row of seats behind me and I was holding on to the back of the seat 
and, and, I, and I just put my head down and my buddy was standing right next to me and we're praying as they're praying for those people and this woman behind me starts praying in the spirit. Like she, no holds barred, just goes for it. And the minute she opened her mouth, I literally felt, I had hair in those days, so I know it was legit, my hair was moving. I, it was, there was a wind that came rushing from behind me and it, it was so, so real, it caught my attention and I went like this, and I was like, man, what is that? And I elbowed my buddy. I said, hey. And he's like, what? I said, you feel that? He's like, feel what? I'm like, you don't feel that wind? He's like, shut up and pray. Like, it was my first experience with the Holy Spirit. Can I build your expectation a little bit? We should be able to recognize when the Holy Spirit is here like this. Now, there's some days he's just a small voice, a calm spirit, just to meet you in a sweet spot. But there's some days when he wants to suddenly show up that he shows up and you're going to know it. Amen. This was their introduction. I believe the Holy Spirit wanted to make a lasting impression on the apostles. Would you agree? Roaring, mighty windstorm that filled the house. Wow. You see, there was a change that day. The apostles only knew John's baptism until that day. The Holy Spirit comes suddenly. And something changed before to after the Holy Spirit came. People often ask me, Pastor, how do I know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? This is my best answer. Are you seeing and experiencing change? Take everything else away. Are you changing? Are you experiencing change? That's how you know if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? The third significant thing that we see in chapter two is the fire. Remember, John said, I'll baptize you with water, but Jesus is coming and he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You see, if you say you're going to baptize with fire, then you really need to bring the fire, right? Otherwise, that would be false advertisement, right? Okay, you can say yes or amen or something. There was fire. Verse three, it says this, then... What looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared, it appeared, and it settled on each of them. Some people have tried to uh, create it with, with, with drawing. Uh, they've tried to draw what this experience looks like, and you can go look it up. You'll see a lot of pictures with a flame on top of the apostles' heads. They're in a room and you'll see a flame on top of their heads. I don't know if that's what it looked like. It just said it was fire or like tongues of fire. Okay, I'm going to ask God one day to show me what that looks like. I'm going to get him to put it on top of Cole's head because he ain't got no hair neither. And then I'm just going to look at it on top of Cole's head. Because it's, never mind. A visual. It was, it was seen. They saw it. It was a manifestation of God's presence. How many times do we read in the Bible that God showed up in fire? I'll give you three examples. Moses, the burning bush, the bush that never burned up, right? Fire. <laughs> Israel, 
was led by a pillar of fire by night through the wilderness? Elijah had fire consume his offering after it was soaking wet. The tongues of fire that you read in in verse 3 is the manifest presence of God. It's the visual manifestation of God in that moment. And I want you to notice that 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 fire, that tongue of fire, settled on each of them. That means this. Everyone in the room experienced wind, and they experienced fire. Are you seeing this? My fourth, the fourth significant thing I see in chapter two, when it comes to the introduction of the Holy Spirit, is there was a language. The language. Verse four. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The first thing I want you to see is that everyone was filled. Can you say everyone? Everyone was filled. Are you an everyone? Is your neighbor an everyone? Is everyone in this room an everyone? So everyone means everyone, right? I just want to take a quick little vote. Everyone means everyone, right? Nobody left out, right? Nobody being punished, nobody being withheld from everyone, right? Everyone means me. Say that with me. Everyone means me. I'm an everyone. I feel the Lord wants me to push this issue a little bit. Because I've had a lot of people try to convince me that the Holy Spirit doesn't fall on everyone like he did here. And not everyone can pray in tongues. Not everyone gets a new language. Not everyone gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. I don't care what your doctrinal background is. That is a lie. It is a lie because there's 120 people in this room and the Holy Spirit fell on every one of them and every one of them spoke in a language they can never speak before as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to do so. So don't tell me that everyone cannot have it. Don't tell me that God's not going to give it to everyone. Don't tell me that because I got it. And when people tell me that, I go, God's not mad at you. Why would he give it to me and not give it to you? I've been a kuyon too, but he gave it to me. Why would he not give it to you? It's, a, it's an edification of your body to pray in tongues. Why would God not give that to you? Everyone. It's time for the enemy to shut up. It's time for us to quit believing his lies and shrinking back and thinking that God doesn't have something good for me. He's got the baptism of the Holy Spirit for you. The fullness of it all. Not holding any of it back. So tell the devil he's a liar. Next time he tries to convince you that God doesn't want to fill you with his spirit and give you a prayer language, tell him to shut up and say, Lord, I'm ready to receive it. Did I push it enough? Did I need to go a little further? Somebody still convinced it's not for everyone? Raise your hand. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you wouldn't have raised your hand anyway. 
I find this pretty awesome. That the first reaction to being filled with the Spirit is to speak. You see it right here in Acts. What was their first reaction? They felt they had the sound, right? They, they heard the sound. They, they felt the wind. They saw the fire. What was their first reaction? Speak. What is the enemy trying to do? Shut you up. What does God want you to do? Speak. He's the qualifier to your words. He wants you to speak. The first reaction to being filled with the Holy Spirit is something comes out of their mouth and it's a, it's a declaration of God's goodness. This is the witnessing that he's talking about. They, 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 they spoke in other languages. There was Jews from every nation, so there was a ton of different languages at that time. And the Bible says that every one of them heard the apostles speaking in their own language. Wow. Now I've had people try to debate, well, you know, that was a special moment. You know, God gave them the ability to speak in a, another known language. You know, so this whole praying in tongues thing, blah, blah, blah. I go, it's a different language than they could speak before, right? What's the difference between a, a Jerusalem language and a heavenly language? It's just a language, and the Holy Spirit gives the ability to speak, so don't come here with that. If you're baptizing the Holy Spirit, you should be expecting to be speaking in tongues. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I love it. <sighs> I've often asked my question, asked ask myself this question. If I'm facing something and I find a lot of resistance to it and it's something that God has for me, why am I facing so much resistance to this? Could it be the enemy don't want me to have it? So if you're facing resistance, don't back up, baby. Bust through. Keep on, keep it on, push through. Well, I'll never forget. Raised, born and raised Baptist boy. I, I even got reprimanded for talking about the Holy Spirit in the youth group. Okay. I'm at a freedom weekend. We called them something different back in those days. And we were going into the Holy Spirit session. And I was, I was anticipating, I'd been praying for it, I'd studied the scriptures upside down, left and right, crossways, every way you could. I was convinced, actually I was confused. <laughs> I was confused. I didn't know if the baptism of the Holy Spirit was real or not. I was just confused. I did realize there was a water baptism and there was a Holy Spirit baptism. So I went into this last session and I'll be honest with you, I was scared. I was anxious. I was anxious. And we're walking from a cafeteria into that room, and I'm walking, and I'm just kind of like, oh, boy, here we go. I'm going to face this thing that I've been wrestling with, that I've been struggling with for so long. Like, I'm now going to face it. And, and I'm like, Whew. And so and on the outside, I look cool as a cucumber, but that's what I look like on the inside. It's like, oh, my God. And I'm walking into this place, and all of a sudden, somebody jumps on my back. Like, just runs and goes, Whew. boom, just lands on, on my back. Scared the fire out of me. Almost messed my pants up. I mean, it was just, it, scared. it was Pastor Josh. He goes, he jumps on me, he goes, man of God, you ready for the Holy Ghost? I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. 
You know what I didn't do? I didn't run out the building. You know what my prayer was? God, if this is from you, I want all of it. Don't hold nothing back. Give me every bit of it. And they started playing the first song of three songs before the guy preached about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit touched me on the first song. And I was laid out on the floor. And I did not get up until all the chairs were picked up and everybody was leaving. And I sat up on my knees full of snot, tears, and sweat. Your experience will likely not be like that. <laughs> Just clarify. Yours may be sweet. God knows who you are. I needed some sweat and tears. And anyway, and, and so I, I get up on my knees and a guy comes by and he says, hey man, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I said, yes. And he just prayed a simple prayer. And I began to speak in another language. It was a heavenly language. That's my experience. If you want to sit down and debate it, we can. But you're not going to convince me of what I've experienced. Hi, my name is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave. He gave an ability, gave them an ability to do something they had never done before. Its purpose was to get the attention of all the Jews that day. But it was the Holy Spirit who gave it. Listen to this carefully. Not forced it. He gave it. Not forced it. And I want you to remember the posture of these people that he gave it to were people who were constantly united in prayer. Mm. They were constantly united in prayer. And he poured it out on all of them. So you won't be walking through Walmart and all of a sudden start screaming out the top of your lungs some crazy gibberish. The Holy Spirit's not going to do that to you. He gives you the ability. Then you get to use that ability as you deem necessary. Does that make sense? This is the first experience they have with the Holy Spirit. The church would be built on this experience from this day going forward. If you're getting baptized, you can go change your clothes if you need to. I need a keyboard player or somebody. I need some music to make this thing sound real spiritual. If you're being baptized today, you can go get ready. I'm going to wrap this up. So the Holy Spirit shows up. And now all of a sudden, the apostles have the boldness, power, and ability to speak kingdom things like never before. So here's the question. What's holding you back? Is there something holding you back? Just this past summer, I, I went to one of the camp nights that we had at ABC camp for our youth. 
And I sat through the service and I watched at the end of that service, I watched the Holy Spirit fall on a bunch of teenagers. You know it's the Holy Spirit when they start weeping, when they start repenting, and they start telling each other they love each other. Especially the boys. <laughs> I love you, man. I watched the Holy Spirit fall on a bunch of teenagers. What's holding you back from experiencing the Holy Spirit like this? Are you hungry? Are you waiting until? Are you anticipating? Is your expectation too low? I believe Acts shows us the acts of the apostles, but it also shows us the acts of us and what we should be acting like, what we should be experiencing. The book of Acts builds my expectation. I have an anticipation inside of me that is just longing and hungry for more of God. Is there something holding you back? Have you just been complacent with it? I'll get to it later. It's not that important. Did you get satisfied with salvation? Ooh. Well, my name's in the book. I'm good to go. My name's in the book. I'm good to go. Gonna ride it out till Jesus comes back. My name's in the book. I'll be all right. I don't need anything more than that. I wonder if you'd call that pride. I think you could call it deception. So your name's written in the book. Great. I rejoice with you. Your name's written in the book. It means one day you're going to stand before God and he's going he's to scroll down. He's going to see your name and say, come on in. The Bible says there's going to be a second judgment for the believers. And that judgment is, is we're going to be judged on what we did or did not do that God told us to do. And it's not going to be a judgment to send us to hell. It's going to be a judgment to reward us for what we either did or determined by what we didn't do. Keep in mind, we're talking about eternity. If Jesus told the apostles to go and wait until the promise of God comes, then should we not also expect that same promise? Should there not be something inside of us that says, you know what, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad my name's in the book. But you know what? I got an obligation to tell other people. And Jesus said you will receive 
power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, which means this, that you don't have to tell people about Jesus from your head. It can flow from your belly, the Bible says. You'll have power to tell people about Jesus and we'll see folks get saved by the droves in this land and then God will fill his churches up, but ultimately he's going to fill his kingdom up. Amen? We got a kingdom to build. He anoints us and appoints us to go and build this kingdom. And I promise you this from my own experience, you're better off with the Holy Spirit than you are without. But you'll never know all that the Holy Spirit is until you open your heart and your mind and you surrender yourself to him. The apostles were prepared to receive. Wow. So let's pray. Bow your heads with me, please. Lord, we come to you this morning so grateful. Holy Spirit, we're grateful for you today. So grateful for you. So grateful for chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, God. Build an expectation inside of us, Lord. Open our eyes to see all that you can be, all that you can do. Move in us in a mighty way, Lord. So right now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you want the Holy Spirit like that, can you just raise your hand? coming up. Wow. Keep your hands up and pray for you. Father, right now, you see these hands, you see this response. God, meet them suddenly. (laughs) Meet them suddenly, God. (laughs) Holy Spirit, introduce yourself to those folks. They're ready. In your name, Jesus, we pray today. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning.